Hey, welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm Hope Cook, creator and host. If you feel stuck, restless, overwhelmed, or dissatisfied with your current life, despite your life looking pretty good on paper, or at least on social media, I can totally relate. Together, we'll figure out how to take the next right step. I'll interview women who are a little farther along on the path and get tips and ideas from them. I definitely don't have it figured out, so I'll share the ups and downs of my own journey with you. Let's get started because life is too short to waste in autopilot. Even if you don't have a religious bone in your body, but you're thinking, well, I wonder what this whole calling thing is about. I think you should listen to this podcast. It's not all churchy, I promise. So listen to it and think about whether you are where you are supposed to be. And if you're listening to this podcast, maybe you're like, yeah, that's why I'm listening so that I can kind of figure out where I need to be. So give it a shot. I think you'll find a ton of useful information from Pastor Laura. All right. Hey, y'all. I'm excited today because we have my pastor. Her name is Laura Patterson, and she gave a sermon. I have to go back in June, and it was the first time I'd been back at church um, since all this pandemic stuff started, and I was really touched by the sermon. It's about, or she talked about her calling, and if you think this is just about church and being called to the ministry, you're wrong because we're all called in different ways, and so I can't wait to hear what Laura has to say about that. So welcome, Laura. Thank you so much for having me on, Hope. I'm happy to be here. Yes. Um, And I know your background. You went to UGA for your undergraduate and got a degree in music. And then I think you went to St. Louis and you got your master's degree in, didn't you say, historic musicology? Yes, uh, historical musicology. Uh, I went to Washington University in St. Louis, which is a small elite private school that I had never heard of until, (laughs) until I was going there. Um, and historical musicology sounds made up, but it's really just, it sounds delightful, but then I'm like, what are you going to do with that? (laughs) Yeah. Right. That's the question. Uh, it really is just music history. Um, so every music major has to take music history. When you take music appreciation, um, in, at a university or Uh a college, um, that's being taught by a musicologist. Like that is a musicology Ah. class. Okay. Um, So you loved music like your whole life. Yes, I started playing violin when I was five. And what? Yeah, there's like my fam, like my mom played piano in church out in the country when uh-huh. she was little, and my dad was in like high school marching band. But my parents are not musicians. And so when I was five, I don't, I guess I saw it on TV. Um, I just wow. really wanted to play the violin and like begged my mom. And she's like, all right, fine, kid. And yeah. so she rented me a violin and I was like, okay, but when do I start lessons? <laughs> so, like, you know, uh, so yeah, I played violin from the age of five on. I mean, I still play. Um, and so that's just been a big part of my life for my whole life. And then once I got into college, I realized like, I didn't, I didn't really want to teach orchestra. Yeah. Um, I think school teachers have a really hard job and are amazing mm-hmm. people. Um, and I don't think it's something that I'm, I'm cut out for. I think they're much tougher than I am. Um, 
and like I was not good enough to be a performer and I love history and language Uh and all that kind of stuff and so musicology seemed like a really good fit. Well and also when you're that young when you're 19 or 20 or 21 and you're thinking what interests me I guess you're not thinking about a 401k plan or a you know, you're not thinking like, how am I going to afford a mortgage one day? And I mean, I don't know. You're just thinking what interests me. Right. And and I wanted to teach music appreciation at the collegiate level. Like my plan okay. was I was going to get a PhD in musicology and be a professor. Okay. So you um, had a plan. I did have a plan and it seemed like a fairly straightforward one. And I graduated undergrad in 2008, uh-huh. um, which means like my first semester in graduate school, I watched uh, like, you know, university endowments disappear yeah. and um, the job market mm-hmm. for professors just like tank. Yeah. Um, and so when I, when I was like planning to go into musicology, um, and I don't know how true this is. I mean, maybe I just didn't, I wasn't aware, but it, you could teach like at a small regional college or at a community mm-hmm. college with, with just a master's, like you could get a master's in musicology and teach music appreciation. Um, not at like a tier one research university, but at, you know, like small, yeah liberal arts college like like there there was a job path and I was sort of like well that's what I want to do and so that's that seems achievable and then by the time I was finishing my master's it was like there were no jobs oh no (laughs) and were you still what were you thinking like when you um were finishing up your last year is that when you start looking for jobs and you started realizing oh my gosh yeah I mean by the time I was finishing my master's I already knew like I I am not going to get a job as a musicologist um because and so I was just trying to finish the degree just to yeah to, to have not wasted my time um I apply like I lost count I think at 50 job applications whoa um I applied to like notable ones I applied to teach for America and I got yeah to, I got several rounds in for the interviews and then didn't um you know didn't make it um wow. I applied to Stephen Ministries which is a Christian ministry just to I think I've heard of that yeah, just as like an office job at their headquarters. In yeah. Um, I applied to a bunch of orchestras for like administrative positions. Um, I like, I can't even remember all the, I've had a bunch of nonprofits. I had a sense that part of the reason I did not want to continue on that path was that I, I knew that I wanted to help people in some way, mm. that I wanted to make people's lives better. Yeah. And that like musicology was not going to be the move for yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and so I was looking into like education and community outreach and nonprofit work and that kind of stuff. And like I said, I just applied for just every job. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the job market was awful for everybody yeah. in 2010. Like, and you said, <laughs> you said you were never one of those kids in youth group who wanted to go in and, into ministry. You weren't like, yeah, one day I'll be standing in front of, co- of a congregation. Never. <laughs> I actually quit youth group like after my (laughs) sophomore year of high school. Um, The reason I quit though was like I was a big nerd and I uh, disciple Bible study, which is big with Methodist churches, is this like year long Uh intensive, like you kind of read the whole Bible, Bible study. And there's a youth version that's made for like high school juniors and seniors. And I convinced the leader to let me take it in eighth grade. Oh my gosh. um, Because I just was like, I just really was captivated by scripture and still am. 
Okay. Um, and I didn't know, I mean, like you can look, but you know, in retrospect, you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> like maybe yeah. the signs were there. Um, but part of the reason I quit youth group was that like, I was just much more serious yeah. about <laughs> Bible study and whatever else. And, you know, uh, the kids in my youth group were like, you know, running around and playing games and wanted to sing like, you know, praise and worship songs to, to guitar music. And I was like, I am a musician. Yes. Hymns. Uh, <laughs> like I don't, weird, weird 15 year old, I guess, but, um, but you still never thought I want to go into the ministry. No, absolutely not. And I, I had, like, I remember hearing a missionary speak and being like, that's cool. But I also like so many of the speakers that you hear in, in like youth group are people mm -hmm. who have had these radical transformations in their lives where they were like, you know, in trouble or an addict, yes. or, you know, had like somehow like gone off on a path and then like come back to the church. And I knew that wasn't me. Mm -hmm. And so I never thought like that I could do any, like, I, I partly also was like, well, I'm never have going to have a very good testimony. Cause I'm just like, not <laughs> someone who's going to do any of that stuff. Um, but, but also like the idea of being a pastor just like, didn't cross my mind as a job choice. Mm -hmm. Um, so I thought like, it, it seemed cool that missionaries went and lived other places, Yeah, but that was cause my dad had been in the air force. Uh, and so, like, I just was familiar with the idea of living other places and yeah. like, that was a good thing. So, yeah. um, no, but there was no, no inkling of like, I'm going to work in the church. Yes. Okay. So you graduated and you couldn't find a job. So then what happened? Um, so like the day I finished my master's thesis, I was sitting in my apartment in St. Louis, like, I mean, maybe literally twiddling my thumbs <laughs> um, and it was an online submission. So I'd like clicked submit and thought to myself, well, now I'm unemployed. Um, <laughs> nothing had panned out at that point. And about three hours after I clicked submit, the pastor at the church where I was attending called me out of the blue and was like, hey, do you want to be the, the college and young adult minister at the church? Or we, at that time, it was called the, the college coordinator. Okay. Um, so I was part of the campus ministry at a United Methodist church, like a block away from me and had been attending there. And the pastor just called me up and offered me a job yeah. at the church. And I was, my, my thought process, and I maybe said this out loud was, well, I need a job. So, okay. Yeah. And it wasn't a volunteer position. It was a bona fide job. Yeah, it was, it was uh, part-time. It okay. was $10,000 a year. So I knew that I needed to find other money, but like it would cover my monthly rent. Okay. And so I was sort of like, okay, I am not going to get evicted if I take this job. Like, yeah. I find something else to do and also do this. And so I accepted that job. Um, and again, was just sort of like, well, I wanted to work with college students when I thought I was going to be a professor. So uh, that's true. Uh, I, this will be fine too. Um, I can, I can probably figure this out. So yeah. I did that. And I, and I remember thinking like, I'm maybe I'm not a good enough Christian to do this though. <laughs> I don't know how to lead a Bible study. I don't think I'm particularly religious. I just like go to church. Turns out I am particularly religious. I just didn't understand that people went to church a lot less than I did. Yeah, that would be uh, my first thought would be like, I'm not good enough. I, what if I drink at a Mexican restaurant, a margarita and somebody sees me or I don't yeah. know. I well, guess I can drink. But. Yeah, well, and in St. Louis, like there's a lot more of a, um, like there's a lot of Lutherans and Catholics mm -hmm. in St. Louis. And so there's, 
the the idea of like oh you can't drink which like yeah. Methodists can we don't kind of don't care um but the idea of like oh a pastor can't be seen having a beer out in public like didn't exist and okay. the risk because the culture is just different there. yeah like, it's a very like southern thing yeah um because we have lots of Baptist neighbors who um are stricter about alcohol yes so, um but yeah, so I, t I took that job and um, was supposed to start at the beginning of, the, of July. Um, I was able to get another part-time job washing dishes at um, a cafe <laughs> that I liked to go to. Um, Did you was, get a discount on food? Uh, no, which was <laughs> nonsense. Like we would just steal food from this place, honestly. Like, okay. It's, it's pretty typical in food. I've worked food service a bunch of times. I actually really enjoy, enjoy food service. <laughs> um, as a, as like a stop gap. Um, uh, it's, it, it, that is a hard job, like mad respect to people who do that Yeah, all the time. Um, but you usually get a free meal when you're working. Yeah. That's what I thought. Uh, and this place was like no free meals. And we were like, okay, we're just going to steal food. <laughs> like we just ate while we were working, which is also a health code violation. So that's why you offer your employees a meal while they work. That's right. Um, so I worked there washing dishes and I remember one time being in there washing dishes and being like, I have a master's degree uh -huh. and I'm washing clotted cream yes. out of ramekins right now. I had that same thought working at a bakery when we moved to Montana and I had a master's degree and could not find a job and I was scrubbing flour. You know how flour, you walk on it all day and snow comes in with people's feet and it just made the nastiest mess and I would be on the floor scrubbing and thinking... Yes, that's what my Emory education was for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think probably a lot of us with uh, graduate degrees in the late aughts and yeah. early teens had, had that experience. Yeah, it was good though. It was humbling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's I think it's good to work in a service industry. Um, at some point in your life, it makes you appreciate uh, service industry people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I worked there um, and didn't hate it, but was a little bit like, uh, yeah. Um, and was, you know, like sort of low income, but making ends meet and still keeping an, an eye out for jobs. And then uh -huh. I got um, a position opened up at the St. Louis Symphony oh. uh, for a front of house manager. And I had been a front of house manager when I was at UGA. Yeah. And part of it was also food service and customer service. And actually, I, I like people, so I uh -huh. was into it. So I applied, I interviewed, I knew in the interview that I got the job. Okay. Um, like walked out of the interview and was like, these people are hiring me, totally. <laughs> um, and so um, I did get the job. They hired me immediately. So I quit the tea house and um, was working part-time at the church and sort of was like, well, this is, this is a cute little, little bit of money, but now I have a real job. Yes. Um, but I was, I was part-time at the symphony, part-time at my church. And then I also taught violin one day a week at a Waldorf school. So I had three wow. jobs. Um, uh, again, like classic millennial story. Yes. Uh, a, a zillion part-time jobs and no benefits. Um, but I pretty quickly got promoted at the symphony. Um, mm -hmm. They realized that it was not a part-time job being the front of house manager. It was a more than full-time job. So that became a full-time job. So then I had a full-time job and two part-time jobs. Um, I quit teaching violin at the end of that school year, but it was, it was back in like, it was February um, of that first year doing all mm -hmm. of those jobs that I was like, 
angrily having to go to a meeting of all the college coordinators, um, mm-hmm. at, the, all the Methodi- at all the Methodist churches, which was like 12 of us. Um, and I was so mad that I was having to take a day off from my quote unquote real job at the symphony, um, which was full time and had benefits and all that. Yeah. Kind of stuff. And I, but I was like into that job. I totally thought that was going to be my career that I was going to like move up the ladder at that organization that I could go to, I, you know, I could move to other symphonies if I wanted to work somewhere else that I'd be able to do community outreach or production or like anything that like I, now all these doors were open to me because yeah. I, was, I was in the organization. And so I just, and I really enjoyed that job too. Yeah. Like I, I loved being at all the concerts and, you know, having this sort of, sort of weird lifestyle of, um, you know, working at night and working on weekends and whatever. But, um, so you loved being part of the symphony and uh, that was your game plan was like, was just stay game. here forever or move to another symphony or. Yep. That I had it all laid out. I like knew I was in, it was, um, a job I had always wanted. I was proud that I did it. Yeah. Um, it sounded cool when I told people what I did. Yeah. I sort of like wear cool shoes and dress up for concerts and be sort of young and stylish. And um, I man, it was managing a bunch of part-time employees. I'm sure I was an awful manager because I was like 20. <laughs> um, and they were my grandparents' age. Um, I'm confident a lot of them hated me and were, was like, she doesn't know what she's doing, but they were kind because they knew I was 25 yeah. uh, and, and not paid particularly well, but still like loved that job. Totally thought like, this is it. So you um, had to go on your day off to this Methodist youth coordinator meeting. Yeah. Yep. And it was in Columbia, Missouri, which is like two hours west of St. Louis, just out by 70. It's just a straight shot. Um, mm-hmm. as you're imagining me driving on the highway went to that meeting they referred to all of us as, as ministers and I was like I am not a minister <laughs> I'm the coordinator I don't consider myself a minister yeah ministry. and everybody stared at me like what is wrong with her <laughs> but I just was so like pushing back on the idea of myself as an actual religious leader yeah and I think probably I think probably like God was messing with me already and I was like no shh go away. Yeah. Um, but it was on the drive back, like having made that declaration hours before it was on the drive back to St. Louis that I just kind of had this like overwhelming, like epiphany moment, like realization that the things that I wanted to do with my life, which were making people, making other people's lives better, Mm -hmm. you know, um, improving the quality of life for others. Um, the, the job that I had where I was actually doing that the most faithfully was campus ministry. Yeah. Um, and that like leading people into a deeper and richer experience and with, with the divine and a deeper relationship with Jesus, like was actually super important. Yeah. Um, and you, you were enjoying that job too, I guess. I was enjoying it, but I didn't, I wasn't putting a ton of effort into it. Okay. You were um, a coordinator. Yeah. I was just, I was like, <laughs> like, I wasn't leading a Bible study by myself yet. I was leading one with the senior pastor Okay, um, and he was kind of like mentoring me into how to do that. But like, I kind of just planned like fun things and like got to know, you know, the, the college students that would come and like would help them. Like, you know, we'd plan outings occasionally, but okay. like, I, I think my job, I think I was getting paid for like 15 hours a week or something. It was like, yeah. not it was not a ton of hours either. Most of them were just being at church on Sunday. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so um, it was just this overwhelming realization that day. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I just need to put a little more effort into this job. Um, and so I started to, I started to pay more attention to my ministry job and mm-hmm. um, I guess was probably starting to experience some conflict of how much time I was having to spend because my job at the symphony was like 60 hours a week. Oh, wow. Um, it was an intense job. Yeah. And then I also was like teaching violin one, one afternoon and had this campus ministry job. Yeah. Um, and so I just was starting to get like a little irritated that my priority, it was that my priorities had shifted, right? Like that my priorities mm. now were landing more on my ministry job, but I was having to spend all my time at the symphony. Yeah. And I wasn't to the point of like, I hate this job now, but I was just starting to get like a little bit more irritated with, with it. And it suddenly didn't mean as much to me. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I am like, people are coming in the symphony and they're like mad that they're beer isn't as cold as they because I manage the bars and so like they're mad about like their drink and yeah. who cares like I am picking out which cheesecake is best for us to sell like this doesn't <laughs> matter um you know and you know like petty petty squabbles between the staff I was managing about like who stood at what door just stand at a door uh-huh. you're getting paid the same um so did it start to feel like you were out of alignment like you yeah. just felt like you didn't fit there that, yeah, yes, that is exactly how the, how I would describe it. It was a mismatch between my values and what I was actually having to put into practice. Yeah. Um, and so again, I didn't have the language of call yet. Um, like I didn't understand that I was being called to ministry, but it was definitely this feeling of like, it was, an, and it was a growing, quickly growing feeling of like, something's wrong. Like mm-hmm. something is out of alignment in my life, like in a really fundamental way. Yeah. Um, so like, again, February was when I had that like epiphany moment. And then Mm -hmm. by the summer, like May or June, I was actually miserable going to work. Um, and would like cry in my car before I could get into the building. Like I would sit in the parking lot and like cry. So it went from being like your job that you wanted to do forever. And then all of a sudden within a few months, you're like, I hate this. Yeah. And I had gotten along really well with my boss. We were friends uh, and would like hang out outside of work um, and had a really great working relationship. Um, And I suddenly was like having conflicts with her and um, just was like, you know, again, like sort of irritated with all the stuff that I had Mm -hmm. to do and just like the pettiness of some of the other employees. and then it was probably, I don't know if it was May or if it was June. I guess it would have had to be June because mm-hmm. the, the actual orchestra was on break when this happened. But one of the musicians in the orchestra died um, from cancer and we were having the funeral at Symphony Hall, which is called Powell Hall in St. Louis. Mm. We were having the funeral in, like on the stage. And you had to kind of manage that? And I had to house manage it because it was an event. And so I had to do all wow. the um, and I was driving in my car, like on the way to this funeral. And I don't know, like I had been to one funeral, ever, maybe two funerals ever in my life prior to this, yeah. like I was not experienced with going to funerals. And so I was going to have to go like manage this funeral, um, from the audience perspective, not like on the stage. Um, but 
I was sitting at the stoplight in my car, having this really intense feeling of, of being out of alignment of, mm-hmm. of like something is wrong. I don't know what it is. I can't stand this feeling anymore. Like it had just built to the point where I was just like miserable all the time and like, didn't mm-hmm. know how to get, like, it was, it, it felt like I was being crushed. Um, and I didn't know how to make it stop and I couldn't stand it anymore. And I was sitting in my car and I just was like, kind of at the end of my rope and out loud, I said in my car, fine, God, I'll do it. Whatever this is, whatever this is that you are trying to do to me, I will do it. Just wow. make this stop. And, um, like that crushing weight, <laughs> like went away immediately. Wow. Um, and I was just like, oh, I'm supposed to be in ministry. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, like, so I, at some level, subconsciously, I knew it and people started like between February and whenever this was, I guess in June, like people had started saying to me, are you being called to ministry? Like people at the symphony were saying, yes, like, like these, these elderly (laughs) church folks who were my employees, who were ushers at the symphony were like, do you actually want to be a pastor? And I was like, what? No. (laughs) Uh, I was like, I would never be a pastor. That's weird. Why, why would you think that? Um, but so it was like other people saw it and I uh-huh. didn't, see it. um, and it happened really quickly. Um, it's, it doesn't necessarily like a call to ministry. Some people, it takes them decades to, to get yeah, to that. Yeah. Yours was <laughs> fast. Yeah. Um, but so I, I made this declaration of like, fine, I'll do it. And I was like, well, I guess I just accepted the call to ministry. Did you um, feel relief or what did oh, you yeah. feel in that? Okay. I felt relief and I felt like the pieces that had been like in conflict out of alignment let lined back up. So, okay. Um, and so I went to this funeral and it wasn't lost on me, even in that moment of like, I'm doing a pastor thing right now. That's true. I was in this funeral. Um, and I, I took a totally different approach to my employees, um, at that point. Like I started trying to be, I was just more compassionate with them. Like, yeah. I saw that, like instead of being like, I need you people to do what I need you to do. Mm-hmm. I was much more just relational with them, I guess. Um, but again, like my, and I, and I knew everything I was going and doing in my job from that point forward, as I would do it, I was like, I'm not going to make it until the next season. I'm going to quit this job before the next season starts. Yeah. Um, and so, um, I started looking for like other part-time jobs that I could do that would not take up so much of my time, but like that would pay me enough to live so that I could start seminary. Did you talk to somebody though, who like, did you have any friends who were pastors or did you? Nope. Okay. (laughs) Most of my friends are not religious is this is a, this is like a current reality for me. Yeah. Um, And I had a bunch of like seminary and clergy friends in St. Louis after i went to seminary okay um but at the time like not not particularly like yeah and and again still like my friends are not particularly religious now I mean most of them aren't religious um so no I didn't have any friends at the at that point that were clergy that I could go and talk to so you didn't Um, really have a mentor I mean I had my pastor um and and he had at one point also been like so 
seems like God's calling you to ministry, huh? So weird. How did they know? I guess they could just, just like when somebody's in the closet and everybody else knows, you know. Yeah, I don't don't know know. what they saw. (laughs) I don't know if, like, I don't know if it was just that I was, like, a little more committed to the job or if, or if, like, my behavior changed. Like, I truly don't know. Yeah. Other than, like, the Holy Spirit, like, what they saw. Yeah. That made them be like, oh, Laura's going to be a pastor You had this aura around you, maybe. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it was like, after I had had that sort of, like, accepting my call to ministry moment, before I had said anything to my pastor, he said something to me and was like, oh, you're, you're thinking about being ordination, huh? And I was just like, yeah, I guess I am. Wow. (laughs) And so there is a, there is a defined process in the UMC. So I started, I started working on that process. Um, which the, the first step is that you write a letter to your pastor and say, Hey, I think I'm called to ordained ministry. And then they send it to the district superintendent. You meet with the district superintendent and they talk to you for a minute and are like, yep, sounds like you're called to ministry. Okay. Um, And then you start doing all these steps, which take a million years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I kept like wanting to quit my job at the symphony and like not being able to, cause I was like, I don't, yeah, I, can't, I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. Um, if I, if I quit. So, um, I applied to like be a bank teller and a bunch <laughs> some other, I did not apply to wash dishes at the tea shop again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like applying for jobs like that, that I thought would pay me enough, but not take too much time. Cause it sounds like you were like on the edge of a cliff or a building and you got, you felt like God was saying jump. Yes. But you yeah. couldn't like you, you were like, no, but, but yeah, God was like, jump off this cliff. And I was like, I'm going to need to sew a parachute first. Yes. I'm going to need some backup. Right. Or like, I'm going to need to, to like build this rope bridge before yeah. I jump off the cliff. Like if you can just hold on God. And God's like, no, I'm just telling you to jump off this cliff. Thank you though. Um, and that's, that is the story of my life is, um, God being like, I need you to jump off this cliff and me being like, hold on. Yes. I'm going to need to know how I'm not going to die falling off (laughs) first. Um, I'm going to need to make some plans and God being like, you're not making plans. I'm making the plans. Um, so what actually, what ended up happening was I didn't, I never found another part-time job, but the pastor at my church was like, Hey, we want to make your college ministry position full-time. Okay. And so, um, I gave notice at the symphony on Halloween Okay. of that year because my boss and I had gotten in a really big fight and I had just like quit in a rage. Okay. <laughs> like, we were like arguing about something and I was just like, why don't you just find someone else to do this job? And she was like, okay, hold on. Um, do you really mean that? <laughs> like you are, you are quitting right now. Do you actually yeah. mean to be doing that? Which I appreciated from her that she was, instead of just being like, fine. I know. Fine. Right, you're fine. Like she, she was sort of like, okay, tensions are high. Let's actually talk. And so I, when she said that after I'd been like, you just need to find someone else. Like we, we both then started crying on the phone and I was like, I've been having this really intense, like call to ministry. I'm, I'm supposed to be a pastor. I'm applying to, I am like in the process of applying to seminary oh, wow. and I've been trying to figure out my way out. And she's like, okay, that's cool. Um, take a couple days, think about it. And on Monday, this was on a Friday. And she's like on Monday, like write me a letter resigning if this is really what you want to do. Um, and so I did. 
and yeah, I gave two weeks notice. Yeah. Um, and within those two weeks is when my pastor was like, Hey, we're going to make your position full. Oh, wow. It all lined up. Yeah. Right. This, this was me. Like I, I stumbled off the cliff. I didn't like intentionally jump. I just yeah. like you know, fell, <laughs> I fell off the cliff and then I was like, Oh no, I didn't mean to do this. And then like, you know, God caught me and, and had, and had a plan. Yeah, and had a plan better than anything that I was working on. That's right. You had not seen, you didn't see that one coming, I guess. I did not, not at all. January of that year, I started full-time working at that church as the campus minister, which I loved. That was just such a fun job. I loved campus ministry. So then you started in divinity school? Yeah, I started seminary that January. The same time I started full-time at the church, loved the seminary that I was at as I prayed about it too, I was, um, I realized that part of my call was specifically to Missouri at that Hmm. time that I was not supposed to be in Georgia. I was supposed to be in St. Louis. And I didn't understand why, like people would say, as I was pursuing ordination, they were like, why are you doing this here? You're not from here. Your family's not here. Why are you doing this in Missouri? And I was like, God is calling me here. Mm -hmm. I don't know why God is calling me here but God is calling me here. And they were like, okay. Yeah. I can't argue with that. Um, That brings a good point. Like a lot of times we want to know why or how, even how something's going to work out. You know, am I going to end up going into ministry in St. Louis? Why do you want me here? Right. And it sounds like by this point in your journey, you were kind of like, no, I'm going to listen this time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, And it was, after I, after I like intentionally chose to stay in St. Louis after trying to leave and being mm-hmm. like, no, 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 you're not leaving. You're staying here. My, my life there, um, in ministry, like really flourished in the relationships that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, and I always like, I've started telling people this more and I was afraid to tell it to them for a while. Cause it's like, I don't want to center myself in this particular event, but like, Um, I think that the reason that I was called to St. Louis was so that I would be there during the Ferguson uprising, Mm -hmm. um, because witnessing that with my own eyes, um, and seeing the way that it was covered very differently in the news than what was actually happening, um, like changed my consciousness about, Mm. um, racism and white supremacy in like a really huge way that Mm -hmm. needed to happen. Yeah. Um, and it was also like, it was after that, that I didn't feel called to Missouri anymore. Like oh. that call, the, the call changed, um, after, after being there in that season, um, suddenly the really strong, yes, this is where you're supposed to be just wasn't there. Yeah. How do you, so if you're not somebody who's in ministry and you feel like you're doing one thing and then all of a sudden you're like, ah, it just doesn't feel right anymore. How do you discern that? Um, I, I mean, I think there's like, there's, you know, there's the one answer of like, you pray, mm-hmm. um, and you pray and just, you pray open-endedly, um, and ask God to show you and you pay attention to the way things are, the way doors are closing and the way doors are opening. But there, there is a tradition, I think that all of us can access of, um, like feelings of consolation and desolation. Um, and that simply is like, you know, in, in normal, normal people terms, that's like a feeling of yes or a feeling of no. Yeah. Um, and that if you can really quiet yourself, um, through contemplation, through things like breath prayer to where Mm -hmm. you're listening to God more than like talking to God, um, 
you can sense, I think, within yourself where, where God is nudging you because there's more of a yes in one direction mm-hmm. than there is in another, you know, sort of like o- open your heart and ask God, do you want me to do this thing? And then like sit there, or do you want me to do this other thing? There. <laughs> like fill and in like, the blank. Yeah, and like pay attention to which one is the consolation, the yes feeling, and which one is the desolation, the no feeling. I like that. I've also heard it like expanded, which one makes you feel expansive and which one makes you feel contracted. And like, so that's kind of the same thing you're describing, I think. Yes. Yeah, that's, ex- that's exactly. It. And that's a, con- the consolation and desolation thing is a really like old Christian practice. Like that's mm-hmm. not any kind of new age, whatever, like that's some hundreds of years old even so yeah uh I think that would be one way another way is is to explore uh I feel like a thing that the church does wrong and maybe more the evangelical church than mainline churches a little bit is that there's this this idea that like if we fall if we're following God if we're really following God we're never going to get it wrong and then mm-hmm. if we get it wrong, that we have messed up really badly and like God is mad at us and we weren't faithful. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's actually how it works. Um, I think that being faithful to God is actually just listening. And like, you might not know which way God is leading you and you might go in the wrong direction, but like God is with you in that direction too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you realize that it's the wrong direction, and you turn around and take a new direction, that's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Like you'll learn from that. Right. Exactly. Like, and God is in both of those places with you. And it it may take like, part of my story is also that I tried to leave ministry. Um, (laughs) I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't get to this part in church. Uh, Like this is maybe another, a different sermon, but um, I lost my job at the um, church where I was the campus minister Mm -hmm. after four years and um was was pretty hurt when that happened um and I was going into my last year of seminary and I didn't know what I was gonna do um like it's not exactly easy to find church jobs um in a place like St. Louis like there are churches but it's not a huge area um and so I ended up taking a job as um as a, a labor union organizer um because I was like, you know, I had learned a lot about um, economic inequality at, in seminary. And like, that seemed like a way for me to, to, to be doing justice in the world was yeah. to help people for, and it was an adjunct professor union. Um, and so again, it had the higher ed connection. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, I, I can do this. I know how to, to talk to higher ed people. So I got that job um, and was super excited about it and felt like I was, it was going to be a great fit. Um, and it paid way more than my church job too. Yeah. Um, and so I started doing it and I was immediately pretty good at it. Um, you basically, um, you know, like knock on someone's door who is, who you're trying to get to join this union and like talk to them about their problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, you know, tell them why forming a union is going to help with those problems and you get them to sign a card. Okay. Um, like committing to voting yes for a union. Um, so like I got a lot of people to sign cards, um, (laughs) (laughs) and enjoyed it. And 
when I had like, I was a couple weeks in and had realized I was good at it and that I could actually work really hard at it, at this and be a good organizer uh-huh. that it hit me. Like, this isn't your call though. Oh, wow. Um, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was funny that it didn't happen immediately. Cause I like, like the first couple weeks of it, I was sort of like, this is fun and interesting. And then it was like, when they started sending me out on my own so that I wasn't like paired with someone was when I was like, like was when I, I guess I had space to hear God more clearly. But also I think it was that like, I think to some extent I needed to know like, yeah, you could do other things. Mm, like yeah. other things are an option for you but that's not, other things are not what I'm calling you to. Yeah. So what do you do? Do you like quit after a few weeks? <laughs> yeah. I only worked there a month <laughs> <laughs> because again, it was like, we would go in and have this meeting and, um, we, then they, they'd give us the list of people we were going to go see, see that day. And I'd go get in my car to start driving all over creation, um, for the day. And I like, I pull up to the first house and I would like sit in my car and cry. Uh, that's a sign. Y'all, if you're sitting in your car at your job and crying, that is- yeah, that is God telling you, get out. Yeah. <laughs> um, re- what actually made me quit was my my bosses, like weirdly started interpreting everything I did in like the most negative possible light. Like my, my behavior didn't change. They just started like accusing me of things like I don't know it was it was very weird like I've never had a I'm a pretty hard worker and so I've never had a boss be like like accuse me of not doing my job yeah I'm I'm very obviously doing my job and I just was like what maybe (laughs) that was a sign (laughs) yeah and so it was like I you know they called me in for a meeting and were mad that I had like googled the name of one of the people I was supposed to go visit because I had been to that house like five times that week and it was clearly abandoned like it was an abandoned house and I kept having to go knock on the door to get someone who did not live there to come to the door and you know it was like a generic name like John Smith or something so I was like this is the wrong John Smith like I just googled the guy's name and the address and it says he's just the guy who worked here was a plumber and is deceased and they were like mad at me for doing that yeah which I was like why would you be mad like I I was saving all of us some time like we can go find the right guy now and get him to join the union instead of knocking on the door of an abandoned house for for eternity I guess but so it was after after I had that meeting where they were like you're trying to avoid doing your job and I was like no that I just like I quit the next day. Yeah. Um, and now it's funny. Like, you know, it is funny, but at the time I'm sure you were like, what? Yeah. Well, it was, it was like, I had, I had jumped off so many cliffs by that point. <laughs> like there were a bunch of little cliffs in between. Yeah. I had so many cliffs at that point that I was like, well, here's another one. <laughs> yeah. Get the job. Um, and it was, you know, like I told my mom, I was quitting. She's like, okay. <laughs> She usually is very, um, my mom worries about me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm the baby in the family and she's just like, oh. Uh, and so she was sort of like, yeah, sounds like the right choice. If like, you know, if you end up needing needing something before school starts, cause I was like, I'll just take out student loans. Like yeah. if I a job, I'll get, I'll get something part-time and I'll figure out how to make ends meet. 
when, when the school year starts, I can make it through the summer with what I've got. Like, I'll just, I'll figure this out. And she's like, okay, if you need help, like I'm your mom, I can yeah. help you. Um, and then a week and a half, I guess, after I quit that job, a friend of mine who was the senior pastor at a church in the St. Louis suburbs called me and was like, hey, I heard you quit your job. Uh, do you want to come work part-time at my church <laughs> as an associate? Yeah. And I was like, yes, I do. So again, it was one of those things where like, I, I had to jump off the cliff and then like, God, let me dangle there a little bit. Yeah, 10 day. <laughs> but um, again, I was, I was like enjoying some fun employment. I was dating someone at the time. And so we had like, uh, and they were a teacher. So we just like, you know, did a bunch of fun summer stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I like had a job and I love the, the church where I went and worked that next year was great. That was the church where I was during the Ferguson uprising. And they, they wanted me to do some like, um, anti-racism education with them, which I didn't know how to do. And so I had to learn how to do that. Yeah. It's interesting um, how that turned out. Yeah. You know, just yeah. learning and you never would have done that if you'd been the union organizer, I probably. I know. Yeah. Well, I probably would have that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have handled those bosses a whole lot longer. So, and and so then, did you eventually get uncalled from St. Louis? I did, and yeah, I think that it was after. Um, so I was at the point in the ordination process to where I was being assigned to a church. So after I worked at my friend's church in the suburbs as a part-time associate, which again I loved, I loved that church. Um, I was then up for what we call appointment, meaning I was up for being sent to a church by the bishop. Um, and so I got sent to rural Missouri, Missouri um, which I had no experience in rural ministry. I had no, I didn't know anybody in that part of the state. Um, it was really hard. Um, yeah. and I, I did not love being there. And um, it was actually a pretty, it was pretty painful and damaging time, honestly. Like it was very disaffirming. Mm -hmm. um, it was just, it was not a good fit for me or for the church. And we just didn't, it was, it was not good. Yeah. Um, it's almost like an arranged marriage. Like you have to, you know, you just pray about it and you hope it works out. But I'm sure there are plenty of times when, especially the first job, when they're like learning what kind of a minister you are and what would be a good fit. Yeah. And, um, they had, I was the second woman they had had, and there were a number of people in the, in that church who were not interested in having, uh, women as pastors. I mean, people had quit the church when they got their first oh, yeah. as minister who was like right before me, mm -hmm. <laughs> like it was, it was two women in a row. Um, but also the fact that I was, it was a, an older congregation and I was like 29 at the time. <laughs> I turned, I mean, I turned 30, like three months after I got there and they were sort of like, you're a child. And I was like, uh, I'm not though. Thirty <laughs> is not actually a child. Um, but it was, I, I kept staying there instead of like, I kept thinking that I just had to like suffer through it and that I just had to like, that it was my, or, you know, and some of it is like when you're in really bad situations, sometimes you'll blame yourself for them. Mm -hmm. um, but I kept thinking like, well, you just have to suffer for the sake of this ministry. And like, you just have to keep working and you just need to work harder. Or you need to be more faithful or whatever it is. Um, and 
you know, and, and also then on top of that being, being like, but I know, but I'm called to be in Missouri. Like I have, I'm supposed to be here. I can't mm-hmm. think about moving somewhere else at the end of my, or in the middle of my second year there, um, my dad died really suddenly, um, mm. like fell on the floor and was dead. Oh, wow. Um, and then some other stuff had happened where that were like, that was career related, where it was just like, things are bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, prayed about that, that call and was like, God, am I supposed to be here? Like, may I, like, maybe I can't do this ministry thing this far away from my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and God was like, no, you don't have to be here anymore. Yeah. Um, and it like that call of you're supposed to be in this particular place, like just was not there. Mm-hmm. Like I had known it was there and I don't know how to describe it other than just that certainty of like, I'm supposed to be in St. Louis. Yeah. Um, suddenly it was like, nope, you're released from that. And you um, have to get quiet enough to hear that. I yeah. realized that like in my everyday go, 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 drop the kids off, go to work, do this, cook supper. You, you can't hear. I mean, you really have to spend time in quiet, if not every day, at least some during the week. Yes, absolutely. And I do have to say too, I was sort of like in a, in a painful and broken enough place at that point too, that I think God was probably like shouting at me through a megaphone. And like, that was like, I needed that to be able to hear. Cause it was, it was hard for me to get quiet mm-hmm. at that point because I was just in such a bad space. Yeah. Um, but, but still, but like, even in that bad space, like God was able to, to speak to me. And again, it was the like opening doors, um, North Georgia, like usually has too many pastors mm-hmm. and for years had too many pastors and Emory's here. Um, and the, this was 2017, um, that appointed year, they suddenly didn't have enough. Oh, um, I was like, Hey, um, does North Georgia, like, are, is, is North Georgia accepting clergy transfers this year? I know the answer is normally no. And she's like, actually, we are. I got appointed to a tor- church in North Georgia. Woohoo! Yeah, I got to come home. And um, my experience being clergy in North Georgia has been so incredibly affirming. Like, yeah. it's, it's been like, oh, I'm in the right place. Yeah. Um, the confirmation has not necessarily been about there being like that small voice of saying like, yes, this is where I have you, but of just seeing the result Mm. of, of my call being confirmed in the sense of like, I'm getting to do good ministry and I can see, I can see fruit from it. That's, you know, that like, that's another way we know is that we see the fruit that is born. Yeah. We don't always see the fruit, but when we do see the fruit, that's, that's pay attention to that. And when you're in alignment, I think things just seem to fall into place. You feel better physically. You may be sleeping better. I don't know. But when you're out of alignment, everything's just (laughs) out of alignment. And we, we valorize suffering for a greater good a whole lot. And while I don't want to say that you, that everything always has to be good and you should never like that, there's never going to be a struggle. Like you have to know and I think and it's probably different for everybody, but like, you have to know the difference between like, this is just a hard season that is refining me or that is like, this is a wilderness time and I'm going to come out of it versus like, 
this is destructive. This is harmful to me and it's time to go. Yeah. Like, I don't think we have to suffer for the sake of something better than ourselves in the long term. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think God wants us to be destroyed. Yeah. I think God wants us to sacrifice, but it's joyful sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's, it's refining fire. It's not fire that just like burns you up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so sometimes that suffering is God trying to tell you it's time to move on. Well, I think it's, I, yeah, yeah. I think it's the difference between struggle and suffering. Yeah. Like, that's a good probably, point. Probably when it's, when it's no longer like building towards a greater wholeness for mm-hmm. you um and I, like if it's just tearing you down like that's tearing you away from god too if you're just being torn down mm-hmm. um whereas if it's tearing parts of things down and building up other things like those are different yeah so no that's so helpful i think i think a lot of our listeners are struggling with not knowing the direction to go and feeling pulled towards something but they don't know how to get there so mm-hmm. I think it's been very helpful to hear your take on it and to know that even a minister does not have all the, no, <laughs> the answers no. laid out in front of her. I am, uh, I am merely a pilgrim on the journey. And at some point, you know, God will lead me in, a, in another direction. And I love that. A- this has been so good, Laura. Thanks for joining <laughs> me. Yeah. Tell yeah. everybody where they can find you on social or. Oh, goodness. Um, my public social media persona is, is on Instagram, I guess, at Pastor Elpat with two T's. Okay. Um, so find her on Instagram. And if you need to get a message to Pastor Laura, you can send it through me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can email, you can find uh, information and you can find all of our churches' um, services are online. We have a YouTube channel at Oconee Street UMC. Um, and you can find some more information. Like I have a biography up there and I think my contact. Yeah. And I'll link, um, that sermon too on calling. Yep. All right. That was so good. Let's talk about the take home points. All right. Number one, reflect on what it is you want to do with your life and whether that aligns with your current day job. If it doesn't, you might need to either look for another job or find a way to incorporate what it is you want to do with your life in your free time. Number two, when you're not where you're supposed to be, you might experience an intense feeling of being out of alignment. Maybe you feel miserable all the time. Laura felt like she was being crushed. She just couldn't stand it anymore eventually. Number three, when you listen to God or the universe or whatever you call it, and you finally say, okay, I'll do it. I'll take a chance. I'll be open to possibility. Then that's when the crushing weight or the misery will finally lift. Number four, pay attention if other people start asking you about a particular career path, a talent, or a calling. When others notice your gifts or talents, this could be a sign that you need to reevaluate whether you're using your gifts. Number five, here are some ways you might not realize you're being called to something different. You feel awful. You're having a lot of conflict in your life or career. You feel annoyed and irritated with things in your career that you used to be fine with, or you just feel weighted down. Number six, when contemplating leaving one job or calling and moving towards another, it's good to take some time to reflect on it, pray about it, and really discern if it's you just wanting out of your current situation or if it's a power greater than you calling you to a new thing. So Laura talked about open-ended prayer. So in other words, 
maybe don't pray for very specific things like, dear God, I want to teach first grade instead of working at Kroger or whatever. Pay attention. Pay attention to the way doors are opening and the way doors are closing. Number seven, a calling might not make sense. Like why you would end up living in a particular place like Missouri instead of the place that makes sense, Georgia. Number eight, our callings will change and we'll go through different seasons of calling. God will call you and then you can be uncalled. But it's important to leave the lines of communication open, i.e., be quiet enough to listen. Number nine, knowing if you're supposed to leave or move or change, especially if you're unhappy, can be really hard. You have to be able to know if this is a hard season and you're in the quote unquote wilderness, or is this destructive and harmful for you? Ask yourself if the struggle feels like it's building you into a stronger person or if it's tearing you down. And lastly, another way to tell if you're in the right place is to look and look around, see if you see fruits from where God planted you. If you do, then this is a sign you're in the right place, at least for now. Wait, before you turn off the podcast, I had one other thing I wanted to say. If you've been thinking about next year and how you would like for next year to be different than this year, then maybe coaching is for you. I would love to sit down with you and do a complimentary discovery call. We'll talk about whether we would be a good fit together and what your goals are for next year and what's holding you back. Because obviously something is holding you back or you'd be where you wanted to be, right? All right, so look at this as your sign. Email me, hope.cook at gmail.com or Instagram message me at Coach Hope Cook. And I look forward to hearing from y'all.